Hi, I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Danica Brown. And we're biracial unicorns. And we'll stop wearing black when they make a darker color. <laughs> maybe. I, maybe. I'm sorry I had to quote a Fallout Boy song. And I apologize. You do you. <laughs> I really enjoy, like... I'm so glad spring's happening right now, or whatever England thinks spring is. But you you can't make me give up wearing black. You'll have to pry it out of my cold, dead hands. There was a really ridiculous meme I saw the other day that was someone wearing all black and like boots. And then the next image was cute Hushin or some other anime-looking <laughs> character socks <laughs> underneath. And it's it's funny because... My husband definitely makes fun of me, or he enjoys, I think, that I do that all the time. (laughs) He's like, I love when you wear all black and you wear rainbow socks (laughs) underneath (laughs) your boots. (laughs) That's every day. That's brilliant. I don't know. I'm a big color. I wear all colors, but I don't know. There's just something. And I think I've stopped being ashamed of it. I'm like, oh, do I really need another black whatever dress shirt? I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And I get that shade a lot. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I really want to get this dress. And it's like, don't you have five black dresses that look just like that? I'm like, no, no, I don't. <laughs> Thank you. Mm, that was totally different. <laughs> that was exactly. a princess. I definitely need this A-line. What? You don't have a shift dress in black? I don't have a shift dress in black. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I, I was the same way of just like, oh, I really got to diversify. I'm like, I can't help it if I look flawless in black. So, and my family, my little, and I put my little girl in black. She's got a little mini faux leather black jacket because she, I have Cute. one and she really, like it was, she saw one in the store and she's just like, it's like yours, mommy. I'm like, yeah, cool. And so she put it on and okay. So i never wanted to be that mom that matched her kid ever, ever. I think that sets up kids for failure, but now I'm totally eating crow because she actually thinks it's the coolest thing. And I'm like, well, in like two more years, she's going to want nothing to do with me. I'm sure. So we we got her one and she owns that little black leather jacket and she lives her life in her little black skinny jeans. I'm like, yep, girl, go ahead. Live your life. <laughs> love it. I love uh, five never looked so good. How was your week? Uh, it was good. I think I, I never like I'm so bad at answering how was your week or how was your weekend questions because mm-hmm. I mean, and maybe this is good. I'm like so in the moment, I can't remember what I did. (laughs) What did I do this last week? Yeah, no, it was good. I was going to talk about a thing, but I think I might hold on to it for Happy Place later. Ooh, you know, it's funny. I'm actually going to do, I'm going to do the same thing as well. Cool. Look at us. like a a teaser. Yeah. Ladies of mystery. (laughs) Now you have to listen to the whole episode. Well, I guess then we can get into like, we can just like slip right on into the topic now. Yeah. So this week's topic comes from a listener via Instagram. Uh, We've been holding on to this one for a while. So I'm glad that we're able to do it. So this week's topic is feeling not enough for part of your culture. Yes. So it came to us from a listener, Tabitha. So thanks. I hope saying your name was okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we, didn't we won't like, give any other that her favorite color is her social security number <laughs> um, she really likes iguanas <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh we need a better system for this <laughs> but but thank you ask. yeah well we'll get better yeah i mean we're getting more and more open right like look at us saying our full names look at yeah. us sharing the name of the person who suggested the episode I know. We're so we're so incredibly suspicious people by nature. We're just like, well, we can't really let's not say name, but we just realize we don't look credible like at all when we don't put these things. We're just like, they're like, oh, we're sure you had you had somebody into this question, you angry broads who just want to talk about it. <laughs> we're into double digit numbers of episodes, so we're yeah. we're opening up a little bit. Yeah, it's about time. <laughs> so. Yeah, can you go can you elaborate on that a little bit for for folks? Yeah, I think this is a common feeling definitely for biracial people, but I think for a lot of people of color, there's this idea that 
you have to be a certain way to be part of your culture or be connected to your culture to a certain amount to really be able to claim it. And I think a lot of this comes from just the fact that we do live in a white-dominated society. The things that we see on TV, the, the things we're exposed to are this dominant culture. So for people of color, we often define ourselves in opposition to the dominant white culture. For me, that's why even though, you know, even though this show is biracial unicorns and part of my racial background is white, I never consider myself white even though it's in my heritage, right? For me, I just, I don't, I distance myself from that. I see myself in opposition to that. And yes, part of it, I think, is also for me personally, I didn't grow up with a a white parent in my house. And I mean, I don't really have a white parent, to be fair, (laughs) since, (laughs) since my mom is Latina. So she's like by nature mixed. And then my dad is also mixed even though we have a white last name. And just like an interesting thing about my last name, Belvin, is it's a white last name, but the majority of people with that last name are either Black or Native American. And it's because it was a name adopted from a wealthy landowner in the South. So that's like the history of my name. It's actually in my Native American heritage that I have the name Belvin, even though it's a white name. (laughs) That was like way off topic. (laughs) No, I mean, but but, but the thing here, you, I think I had the opposite experience where my dad worked a lot. And so my mom, who is white, did the predominant raised us mostly, you know, we were mostly with her. And so with me, I've always felt very much half and half because yes, I'm around my, you know, my mom who, like I said, up until someone told me, I never viewed as like, Oh, this is my white mama. You know, that never was a thing until I got older and, you know, society told me, Hey, by the way, your mom is white and you are black. Mm -hmm. You know, I always had a very kind of like foot in each team because I still had the black experience. I was still treated and counted as a black girl because I have, you know, fairly dark features. And it wasn't until people would see my mom, they would be like, oh, you know, because me telling them was never enough. This one, I think really, we talked about it before, really hits home uh, for a lot of people because, you know, I really struggled for for both sides. And it really does feel like you, you can't win starting from a very early age of just our own interests, do you know what I mean? Of things that I happened mm-hmm. to be into. I got into theater, into, you know, show choir at a very, very young age. And, you know, you kind of get accused of being like, are you trying to be white? Like, what's up with you? Yeah. Like, don't you want to be doing something else? Like this, the thing that you're doing is predominantly done by white people. And I had a list of things I happened to be into and had to be told by society like oh these are white things and I'm like well these are just things that I like I don't know have you had that experience a lot yeah definitely I mean I've been called coconut and (laughs) I've been told that I like act white or talk white sometimes it's that weird dichotomy right like I'm told that I act white or that I talk white but then on the other end you know I'm otherized by white people because I don't look white and I like not white things and um so it's like do I talk white or do I not like do I act white or don't I like you know (laughs) it is and I think for for people who haven't experienced that we're we're not over exaggerating because I like I said I've had phone interviews beforehand where I'll conduct my interview and then they'll meet me in person and I can see it in their eyes you don't oh that was you oh like you could tell they had this, they had, uh, uh, they already pictured me in their minds and I don't necessarily. Right. And they're like, match. oh, you don't, you don't look how I thought you were going to. Uh, uh, yeah. Like, and mm-hmm. I, I'm like, come on, you saw my name on that paper. What white girl is named Danica? <laughs> come on now. <laughs> come on now. But I completely understand what you mean because, like I said, when I was in these white interests or white activities, which I can't wait for us to break into that, 
when I'm there amongst that community, you know, I am that token girl of color. And they're just like, yes, girl, get it, sass, which of course I, anyone who knows me loves, I love to start most sentences with girl. But <laughs> with that- <laughs> Really? Said, I hadn't yeah, noticed. Girl, please don't. Now's not the time. <laughs> <laughs> but to them, they, they think I sound crazy ethnic. And then I get amongst, you know, a community or people of color And they're just from the way like my hair texture to the way I carry myself, you know, they might have little jabs of how I respond or if I especially when I really got into like, you know, comic books and things that are kind of nerdy, they would make it very well known that I took swimming in college, which, you know, black people don't swim, apparently. (laughs) They're like, well, that's weird. Or I enjoy camping. They're like, you're going to get lost and killed in the woods. Like all black people do. Oh, I definitely (laughs) think of camping as a white person thing, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So who made these lists? Who made these lists? Like what's a white thing and what's a brown thing? Right. And, And it's like, it's weird things too, right? Like camping. Why should that be racialized? I don't know. I think is because it costs like a certain amount of money. The equipment, you can camp without all that shit. I'm sure you could. Tents and sleeping bags and driving out to the middle of nowhere. You have to have a car, you know, it's Mm -hmm. just, it's a lot of things. And I think there's a certain level of buy-in that you need. And once it becomes above a certain amount, like it becomes a white thing, I think, maybe. Well, okay, so let's, let's do... If we could, a short list, because we could be here all day. Uh, there are things that I think people predominantly say are black things. So what we say, what are the, we call it the white list. What would be on white list? Like, so we said camping already. Yeah. Golf. That be a big thing. Golf. Well, I mean, that's not, that. the roots are racist. So, <laughs> but yes. But even within those things, it's so good. I know tennis before the Williams sister came, that was like, that, that was a white sport. Yeah. Unless you are Carlton Banks from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you don't get to play tennis, I feel. I feel like it's it's acceptable now, but it wasn't when I was younger. What is a white list? Skiing? Oh, yeah. I don't. I think it's the cold. I don't know why black people don't like to be cold. We li- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, like, I, I, want I to, would like, say I'm once de- again, skiing is expensive. Like, that's- it, it is super expensive. And like to be clear, we're we're not saying people are white just because they do these things. <laughs> like this no, is like what we perceive as societal categorizations. Yeah. Well, I think that's also what's been impressed upon us. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like we didn't wake up one day and just say like, oh, you know, oh, look at all those white people skiing. Check white thing. You know, it was one of those even showing interest. Or, you know, in New Mexico, where there's actually a pretty decent skiing and snowboarding scene. And you look amongst the people who are, like, interested or, you know, heading up there. And I'm like, ooh, there's a severe lack of melanin on this trip. Um, mm, not yeah. like, I, like you said. This is, and it's also kind of like our opinion, our own experiences. You can live in an area where you're just like, oh, no. Oh, no. All the brown people go. We go and get a cabin. It's amazing. We all I drink can't even imagine. and then we all go. <laughs> I would even imagine. I hope they actually make that would be. A, I hope they actually make a movie out of that. But the thing is, it would lean towards borderline stereotypes and racism because I'm pretty sure they'll just get high at the cabin and then try to go ski. Like it'd be mm. next Friday, but in the mountains. And so I don't think I'd be very afraid of a movie made <laughs> about that because <laughs> you know I'm right. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. But I think you're right. I really like what you're saying about as much as price because even things like comic books that costs money and I think like comic books and figures and cosplay video game cosplay is also an issue I don't I don't think we've talked about this on this show but it's it's harder as a person of color to cosplay because as soon as you dress as a character who's perceived as white you're under scrutiny for it because you're not being true to the character so you're kind of limited in the characters you can dress as right like i've been cho chang so many times (laughs) (laughs) it's your default 
Is that what it's I my de- It's my default Hogwarts look because, I mean, one, I'm a Ravenclaw already. So I'm just trying to dress as a Ravenclaw. But everyone's like, ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> check. <laughs> I don't know. She's super cute. So I would be like, thank you. With her, with her beautiful Scottish accent. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You think video games too? Do you think video games are a white person I feel like thing? it's better. I definitely think like growing up, I think when you think of like, oh, do people get to like a bunch of people of color get to like when Mario Kart first started coming out? Did I don't. I disagree because I feel like mm. I played video games with other brown people growing up. Yeah. Where did you live, though? In this is in New Mexico. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's what like that's proved my point. For to me, and, and like for me in my in my world, that was like you had to have the gaming system, and you had mm. to have another controller, mm. and then you had to be okay with your mama being in the house in front of the TV. Now, this is also me growing up. Now in 2019, I feel like, and I think we talked about this on the other show. Now they want that money from this different group of people that they weren't marketing to. Does that make sense? Like, I feel very much now that's really accepted for people of color to to play the video games, but not necessarily get to participate. And like I said, in the cosplay, even a representation in said video games, but they will make it available and be like, yeah, this is for you. Give us your money Mm. (laughs) because you're good enough for us to give us money. I see where you're coming from, but I still disagree because like I remember Mm -hmm. playing like GoldenEye and Mario Kart with groups of friends, brown guys, Mm. when I was younger. But I do agree about nerd culture as a whole and like representation and cosplay and feeling like things are marketed towards you. I do agree with that, um, Mm -hmm. that there isn't, there wasn't really a space. And I see a shift, I think. There's a perceived shift from my end compared to when we were younger to now but I think also it's because being a nerd is becoming something more mainstream and acceptable Mm. like it seems like and and I work with kids it seems like there's not as much like ostracizing about it now being into those sorts of things being into video games and comics and superheroes and that sort of thing and anime is not seen as so negative now Mm -hmm. as it was when we were growing up and because it's becoming more mainstream it seems like it's perhaps more acceptable for people of color to partake in it even though you know it's still it still might be perceived as a white thing but it's a little bit more accessible I think it is but I think people want that money oh it totally does Mm -hmm. I, I do think it's more acceptable especially anime I was a huge yeah. anime nerd, as you know, yeah, when I was I when I was in high school. It was a really weird thing and a real like niche thing that people weren't into, at least where we lived. Perhaps other places it was yeah. different. Even within that world, cosplaying as an anime character as somebody with darker skin. Somehow you don't get away with it, but like a white girl can. But these are asian characters it doesn't make sense oh girl the complexity this right here could be a whole other episode but but i do i still think like even now i think it is acceptable because it is look this is a whole we can market it to people of i guess especially anime i think there's a lot of people of color who enjoy the storytelling of it the artistry like it i think it they're massive fans and they're like yeah please spend your money and time and fan out about it but i still believe on the onset on the outskirts i think if people had to just say you know quickly what would you think of it that's still predominantly for white culture you know and i mean and i don't necessarily agree with it per se i think it's an amazing artistry and i totally dig it but I don't know. I just, it's one of those things of who who decides these things. Because it feels like from a very young age, I was taught, you know, this is black, this is white. You need to pick. I don't know. I wrote mm. this in my notes, but even like, do you feel the need to pick a side and stick with it? So I think it's rooted in the fact that we're a social species, right? So things are easier for us 
when we're part of an in-group. And one of the ways to define an in-group is in opposition to an out-group, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's hard to exist between two worlds or to not fall neatly into a nice category. And so we see this along race lines, but you also see it in high schools with like different cliques, right? So this is an easy way for me to wrap my mind around it is thinking about, you know, like there's the jocks and there's the nerds and there's the drama kids and there's, you know, like there's all these different groups. So which group are you? And that's like a very limited way of deciding like the things that you like, the kind of music you listen to, the way that you dress, the way that you present yourself to the world. As far as race, we're we're kind of told the same thing, even though it's not explicitly like you have to listen to hip hop or you're not brown or black, right? But like that's kind of the feeling that you get is that like I have to like a certain type of music because it's like who I am and I'm trying to figure out what it means to be of this racial group. This is the checklist that I have witnessed and that has been imposed on me. Music seemed to be a big thing growing oh, up. Yeah. You know, hip hop was definitely the music that brown and black people listen to. And where I like hip hop more now than I have ever in my life. When I was growing up, I was definitely more like punk rock, heavy metal, which I still also like. And so those were considered white things to like that kind of music. It's a, isn't it so, you take like rap and hip hop. And for, for like for me who I like I grew up with like funk and soul and Motown, which is predominantly uh black and brown music. But then as you get older and you're just like, Yeah, I wasn't really exposed to tons of rap and R and B you know, and hip hop very early on in my life. But I've had these other people of color as an example. They're like, Well, that's still maybe not necessarily enough. I'm like, what are you talking about? These are the OGs of music. What are you what are you getting at? It's still not like enough. Like, okay, your bases are covered. You you know what I mean? It's a cover charge. You can get in, but you're not really in in per se. I I, I really enjoyed your answer just because I think from from you, I don't know if you've ever felt like you had to pick between the the, the native side and Chicana side, where it's like for for me you know, having to pick between black and white. And we were talking about this beforehand about having to define yourself against the dominant culture. But at the same time, you know, I know for in my life, when you're trying to figure that out, I mean, I got accused of racial passing or attempting to, you know, I'm not quite that light, trying to pass yourself off as white in order for survival. Yeah. And I'm like, Isn't girl, you can't awful? pass as white. No, <laughs> I don't think not either even, of us can pass as white. No, not even with, my, you know, with my ass living in England, where the sun never shines, like I'm definitely 12 shades lighter than I have ever been. But I still cannot pass. But the thing is being accused of that in the way that you you hold yourself, the way you act. Like I said, I even, you know, marrying a, a white male thinking like that's going to make my life easier, you know, being accused of that. And like, I, actually, it's made my life a bit harder. Right. <laughs> it, you know, it's just these categories and and where they're coming from and are they based upon stereotypes and what do we do with all of this? You yeah. Know, as, as a person, what do we do with this? It's a good question. And I think it comes down to this idea that like as people of color, we have a more narrow stereotypical image to fill for some reason. Mm. White people, because it's the dominant culture that we live in, there are lots of options for niches to fall into, different categories to fall into, different types of people to be. Whereas as people of color, we have to fall into a very narrow definition. I was kind of a a goth kid (laughs) or teenager, (laughs) right? But like, as a Latina, I can't really be goth, or at least then it was like hard because I didn't know anyone else who was that way and so like you know you assume that that sort of culture while it's based in like an attitude and of music that you like and an aesthetic part of that aesthetic is like very white skin so I literally spent an entire summer I don't know oh maybe you do remember this Uh, so the summer before our junior year of high school I didn't go outside at all 
Um, yes. So I, <laughs> I didn't go outside. I made like a big deal the couple of times I went out like during the day of like putting a fucking blanket over myself and like <laughs> not like this is in a hundred plus degree weather in New Mexico yeah, in the I summer. You indicated though with yeah. with some of your style because I was like, girl, there's not a deodorant <laughs> strong enough because I'm hot looking at you. Like, yeah, so. I like, you know, I was trying to get that like white skin, but it turns out I can't. I just look yellow and sick um, <laughs> if I don't go out into the sun. I just look real like sickly. And I remember when I went back to school that fall, I was talking to you, I think, about it. And you were like, you do look a little sick. <laughs> I, I was I did, I straight up just like girl you okay I thought and the thing is like that was a deficiency girl it was like that vitamin D deficiency I was concerned because like, like here was like my you know brown pride partner in life and then I was just like girl the summer was not good to you are you okay <laughs> I was really trying I was really trying but like I can't ever m- match that aesthetic right like it's impossible no. for me no well that's the <laughs> dangers of these that, of the, but you're completely right like that's the danger when you have you know for us these small boxes these lines in the sand these tiny categories where we're trying to like fit in in order to be you know enough because and you know I know there is a massive fear of dilution of culture I think, and as a mixed person, let's be real. We are the walking representation of what some people would view as a dilution of culture. And I've had to like, I've had to kind of come to grips with, I think something Trevor Noah was talking about before, like us just being mixed, our features, how we hold ourselves in our Mm -hmm. lives is a walking protest to social normalities. We are. It's like for some people who have really fought to maintain and to uphold and to keep their own culture alive and strong and proud, whether they realize it or not, when they see me with a different texture of hair, um, maybe a different shape of eyes or lips or nose, or especially see my daughter who's very mixed, they're like, that is a dilution of culture, just even physically of saying like they're the things that we are so we're trying to gain pride in is slowly getting diluted just with time. And so I think when we say, well, maybe we can't control who people are with, even if we do tend to shame some people about who they're with, we're going to hang on with two hands so tightly to what we think defines us as a culture, whether it be our music our style. I mean, we talked about this slightly in culture appropriation, why we take it so seriously, because we're holding on to it so firmly with two hands of saying, no, you, Danny, you need to be able to, you know, you need to be a Latina because Latina culture is so important and you need to hang on to it with two hands and you need to dress in long, long dresses with ruffles. You need to be oh, able God. to do this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like all terrible. the horrible stereotypes. No, it's terrible. You need to make sure. You, yeah. Here's like something that probably is going to get my Latina card revoked is like I've never plucked Girl. my eyebrows. I have never done have anything never. to my eyebrows. Never? Never. They just grow like that? You got good they brows. They just grow like that. Yeah, this is just how my eyebrows grow actually. I've never <laughs> I don't pluck them. It's like it's that mixed. It's those mixed genes. Yeah. Girl, I'm not mad about it. Other people are mad about it. I'm not mad about it cuz like I don't I don't I'm not really mad about it because I don't like because I because I'm still like, you know, middle tone. I don't have hair on my arms. And so I'm just like, I'm not mad about it. It's a mixed jeans. That's what I'm blaming it on. (laughs) But it's there's so much danger in that. Yeah. And I think what you were getting at is is real is real. This idea of as mixed people we're already kind of seen as not enough for our culture because you know we need to choose what are we and how do we relate to that and it's seen as a betrayal of our culture if we choose anything outside of that realm and then i think there's also that complicated history that we haven't touched on here with all of these cultures uh, with us as mixed people but also just people of color the fact that we're products of colonialism right so yeah. we're 
we've already been forced away from our culture. So as a New Mexican Hispanic, my family very strongly connects to our Spanish roots, right? Like they draw that line back to the conquistadors that came and the land grants and all of that, right? Like I can draw that line in my family history. And we don't talk as much about the mixing with native blood through the generations. I mean, like if you look at us, clearly we're not like straight from Spain. Like, so it's no. like obvious there's mixing, but there's been erasure of that part of our culture. And so it's like we can't really, it's hard. How do you find that history when it's been erased and how can you be enough for that culture when it's been erased and you don't know what it is and how do you reach back and reclaim it as your own and I think that's an increasing struggle that I see with other New Mexican Latinos in that I know is we're I think more than our parents generation willing to connect with that indigenous part of our heritage but it's something that they didn't talk about our grandparents most of our grandparents are pretty openly racist about so it's how how do you connect with it how do you find that when it's we exist in a, a society that has been shaped by colonialism and i think the same can be definitely said for black people in america right like you've talked about oh, it before definitely. not knowing where your family is even from in africa yeah yeah we can only go so far. And even then it's like, or it could be the Caribbean or it could right. be from here. We, we don't really, really know. And, you know, and there's definitely that, you know, I always, like I said before, I always joke about doing ancestry or, you know, 23andMe. But like I said, for some of those, I only, it's going to be so broad and so generic. And there's always that little bit of uh, a heartbreak. You know, when when you have that, because even if I feel like I did dive in and you find out and you cling on to it, like, but you're also half white. So you can only cling on to it for so much. And I, I do understand because we talked about like these dangers of these, you know, the whitelist and what it is like. I, I get it. No one wants to rep, like resemble their oppressor. Yeah, I do understand I do, I, you know, and it, it, it can be, I can sound quite serious when I say that, but when you see someone who slightly resembles you, then most people, if they didn't know I was mixed and they're doing things that you consider to be white or a dilution of culture, do you know, and seeing someone that looks like you feeling like they're falling away, they're starting to represent and try to blend in into the culture that actually was responsible of oppressing you. You know, it's kind of like another one bites the dust kind of feeling, you know, mm -hmm. like don't go yeah. to that side. Let, let's stay together. And I, I do I do understand that. But on, on the other hand, we're missing out. We're missing out on so many uh, flavors, sports, music, art, friendships. When we create those categories, I think can I don't know, can we be can we be proud of who we are in our culture and still, I don't know, can we still participate in these, the, the white list or these white interests? Can, can we have it all? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to golf, D'Amika. <laughs> but no, girl, you already know. I mostly, I can't, I just, um, I, I can't get behind a sport that's mostly walking. There, I said it. Like if I like I'm not a fan of running, but at least running will make me feel like I'm doing a sport. But every time I see I'm like, that is hiking while hitting things like I don't understand. I don't know. I, I feel you want to talk about divisiveness. I don't know, Danny. I think we're gonna have a lot of people really hurt that we make fun of golf. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I, here we were trying to be taboo being like, mm, I don't think so, boo. Um, ugh, I don't know. Yeah, this is awful. no, I, I, <laughs> I agree. It's and I think it's that balance of trying to live up to the expectations of your culture and then doing you. I don't think we should have to limit ourselves, but I think we need to honor who we are and where we come from and pass it on. Like you said, it's like that delusion of culture. We don't want to dilute anything, but we also 
should have the freedom, and this is the most American thing I've ever said, we should have the freedom to decide what we're doing Mm -hmm. and who we are and, like, the things that we're doing in the world. Like, we should have the freedom to be an individual and we don't have to be defined by the group. Maintaining that balance is key to being enough and maybe... And maybe we'll never feel like we're enough because of that. Oh, girl, I'm not going to lie. I, I, we were researching this and I was trying to answer that question. Like, can we have it all? How do we encourage people, you know, who are mixed, who are listening? How do we encourage them that they are enough? And even if I'm sitting here telling them, you know, you are enough, whether you identify more on one side or the other or hell, neither, you are enough. You're a contributing person to this world with, you know, dreams, aspirations, and interests that are worthwhile. But I still think we can tell them a hundred times, you you might never still feel that way. And I think just for anyone listening of just feeling that confidence of you're not alone in that. And I think that's probably the only thing we can probably offer that might be helpful of you need to like, I love that you just said you do you because I feel like that is very American. I feel like that's the most American thing you've said. You do you. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's what I was saying. That's Girl, I think you're right. That individualistic streak is something that's taught to us as Americans, I think, and is a big part of American culture. And so I think that's part of what, what's at odds, right? Like is we're taught to be individuals. But I think for those of us who are people of color, a lot of our traditions are not based on individualism and are more group oriented and based in community. So it's like they're juggling those two things is really difficult. Well, but the thing is, so what's the alternative to that? I think some people may disagree, but the alternative is just having like this exclusion of being like, all right, cool. You go over there, you stay in your little box and, you know, (laughs) you know, we keep picking on golf. Go ahead. You go golf. You do you. You are no longer invited to the barbecue. We're revoking your color of card. Do you know what I mean? Like, give us it. You're not allowed. Like, there's so much danger in that, though, isn't there? It really is. It really is. I'm given some shade sometimes from my family because I don't eat meat. <laughs> it's like limits that's, like no, the that's food. huge in your culture, isn't it? It's- exactly. And they're like, well, what can you eat? <laughs> Just like everything except for the meat. <laughs> they're all, screw the garden. What's all these leafy greens? What exactly. I actually... Here? I actually had this conversation with a with a friend yesterday. Uh, we were talking about because we both have white partners, and we're both you know New Mexican Latino, and we were talking about like how we didn't eat vegetables until we were with our our current partners. Dag uh, on it is eating is eating vegetables on the white list. I think eating vegetables <laughs> is on the white list for me. Oh, <laughs> I think it's girl. a white thing, honestly. You know, I already want to talk. This is going to be an episode <laughs> for something else. You are because I told you I'm obsessed with people of color becoming vegan because I have like a love hate for it already. Right. You already know. Yeah. Because on one hand, it's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> it's so special. I think. But, yeah. But here's girl. the thing about eating vegetables is that is like the most stupid thing to be a white person thing because obviously, <laughs> obviously, people. <laughs> eat vegetables and what did people eat before there was all this processed shit vegetables mm. <laughs> like it's not really Girl. a white person thing but him and i were both like yeah not eating vegetables that's so new mexican and it's just like because <laughs> it is like to me i'm like oh yeah that's so new mexican like we don't eat vegetables <laughs> <laughs> But that's but that's so, there's so much danger in in the exclusion. We just we just miss out on fiber, <laughs> and that's what we're missing out on. We miss out on fiber, and we miss out on so many things. Like we were doing, um, just think about all the things we'd be missed out on if people just stayed in their box. I was like doing research of thinking about like Jimi Hendrix and, and Prince, who were men of color who kind of got, you know, a little bit of pushback or were revered for breaking into rock and roll, um, uh, predominant white music. It's like, well, first of all, let, let's let's not even talk about where rock and roll music actually came from. But let's just pretend that it originated with with 
white people. I don't even uh, want to pretend that, you, though, because that is such a clear <laughs> lie. It's so ridiculous. It, it so is. It was appropriated by white people. Continue. Very well done. Very seamless. Very <laughs> seamless. But can you imagine not having the genius of those two and how influential their music is to this day? Or even thinking of like uh, Ryan Coogler, I think is how you say it, and Joe Robert Cole, like the screenplay writers for Black Panther. Can you imagine if there's like, oh, uh, actually, you know, growing up, comic books weren't necessarily like something like Black people did. And if they weren't allowed to have that, do you know, or even like I said, oh, they never said um, Obama was Black enough. And had he gone, well, maybe I shouldn't do law or maybe I shouldn't do politics because that's not a Black man's bag. That's not mm. what we do. There's so much we're missing out on. And actually, I think we need to embrace this. I think we need to say, no, you know, people of color need to get into law. Yeah, we need to continue. Yeah, let's get a black a black swimmer for the American team. Dive, dive. You know, <laughs> let's let's do this because I don't not go in it to, to dominate, though. I mean, if it happens, it happens. But <laughs> going in there because there's so much richness in it. There's um, I'm actually really excited because um, we have two, well, I think there's a couple of them, but two I want to highlight of uh, horror movies, which is definitely, I don't, I don't know, you can disagree. I grew up with horror and scare movies being like a white thing. Mm. Like, I, I don't know. I feel conflicted about it because I think it kind of is. But I mean, I've also been like a huge horror movie person my whole life yeah totally i have too but it's my white mom who showed me which thanks mm. mom i appreciate it i do i do i'm a big i grew up with it like i remember watching stephen king's it the te- like when i was eight years old and it's like you know you have like nostalgia movies like yeah tim curry is it is like like oh here's my reasoning behind it why it yeah. is kind of a white thing but it's also kind of not because horror as a genre falls into a larger like speculative fiction category right so like horror sci-fi fantasy all in this one big category and for me i feel like that is the genre where you can be a person of color um more than any other one because it's speculative because it's it's not real life. So there's more options for people of color to come up in these movies because they aren't just, you know, holding up a mirror to reality. It's a place where people of color can actually exist. And we see it more, I think, in science fiction or fantasy than we do in horror. But horror is like their their cousin. So for me, it's kind of like, <laughs> you know, that's that's my that's my primo. He's not He's not actually Latino, but like, you know, he's down. <laughs> but, you know, I, I disagree for horror. Because here, actually, no, I'm going to retract that because I think you're right. I do think with science fiction and fantasy, they it's not holding up a, a complete reflection to our everyday life. And yet they still choose to underrepresent people of color in that genre. Yeah. I feel it's been better now. But the fact that I think within horror, science fiction, and fantasy that they could have, do you know what I mean? They could have very well had a very well-blended, well-represented, equal-gendered represent stories, very rich. But I think for a long time, they chose not to. And I think, I'm, I was, I, uh, gosh, how old were we? when the scream movies came out and they had brandy up in there. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it was like the second one. So I was, I was floored. I was gagged. I was like, go ahead, brandy. Not my first pick, but we have, you know, she's something <laughs> like I was really, I was like, I'll take her. I, you know, I'm beggars can't be choosers, but I'm so excited though, because we have, was it Jordan Peele coming out with his movie us? Yes. And don't the, tell me anything yeah. about it because I very intentionally no. have not, learned anything about it because I want to be surprised when I go see it in the next couple weeks. Oh, not even not even a trailer? No, I've I've refused. I really, really You are so disciplined. <laughs> I am. You're so disciplined. That's crazy. How do you avoid that? I'm not on Facebook. Oh, that's why you look so young in your photos. <laughs> <laughs> keeping that skin popping. You're not on Facebook. That's that's that explains a lot. But all right, then I won't I won't describe any of it. But the creator of Get Out, which we've talked about before, yes, on the show, scariest um, he, movie. 
Yeah, but for many different reasons. Um, that's coming out. And I keep thinking to myself, he talked about he several times that he created movies that he wished he would have seen mm. growing up and didn't. And, you know, I think Danny and I have both discussed this before. I have been so inspired by that in all of my art. Like, what kind of art do I want to create? What kind of music do I want to listen to or create? What, what kind of things do I want to view and read? And, you know, even in the show, like, I wish I had something like this growing up so, so much of just having that point of view and just being honest and hearing other people's experiences. And can you think if he just kind of stayed in his, like, let me just stay in my box, in my genre. I mean, no, no shade, but kind of Tyler Perry box of black movies, you know, and there's another movie coming out. I just saw a preview for the day called Ma. It's starring was Octavia Spencer. She uh, having like a black female as a lead in a horror movie that is going to be super crazy exciting. Right. It's always the joke, right? When you talk about horror movies or like when I'm in a slightly creepy situation with any friends, I'm always like, well, I'm going to be the first one dead. <laughs> you know, yes. so it's exciting always. when it's the lead. <laughs> always. Of color and it's, or always, woman and it's always of color. the worst death. Yeah. And it's always the worst, most embarrassing death, I think, or like lame. We don't even get like a triumphant kick-ass death. No. You know, it's 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 uh, it's always subpar. <laughs> a subpar horror death is a thing. I, you know, I think it is. <laughs> yeah. a, I think it is a thing. But that's what's so exciting. We're getting more art. We're getting more representation when we have people of color who are allowed to branch out you know, scientists, engineers, you know, doctors. It's just so exciting when we're just saying, let's forget these lines in the sand, these categorize. Let's just go, mm-hmm. go and be, follow your own interest without biases or fear of you. Because the thing is, you may not say I'm black enough or within my culture, but let me tell you, I still have the same experience and I still get pulled over the same amount as you. I still have to work twice as hard, just like you. So why don't you just let me, enjoy my folk music and leave me alone and let me read my my plays that I like to read and also listen to you know George Clinton and you know the Commodores like let me have my mixed life in peace I don't know yeah I don't know it's there is no clear-cut answer for sure I mean there was a a study done by Michigan State University And it was, it found that Black people who identify more strongly with their racial identity are happier than Black people who don't. So, like, I think finding, finding a way for yourself to identify with that culture, with your culture, is, like, key to living a happy, productive life. But you also don't want to limit yourself. So, I don't know. It's, it's hard and I think for for those of us who exist in the the margins, like we're in between things and it's hard to choose and we've been pulled away from our culture, we've, you know, grown up away from our culture, or we've grown up in two separate cultures. It's like how do we choose? I don't know. And I think I think we need to just find ways to connect with our various identities however we can. So like the questions, you have to just ask yourself a lot of questions. Like what is the most authentic form of myself? Like when do I feel the most comfortable? When do I feel like I fit in? When do I feel like I'm mimicking speech to fit in with other people? Like, am I most comfortable in this situation? Am I more comfortable in that situation? And I think these are just like lots of questions we have to ask ourselves and continually ask ourselves because I think the answers will change over the course of our lives, right? And the more time you spend with certain people. And it yeah. I've talked about on the show, like, I think I have, uh, is like I work in a, in a very white environment for the most part. So it's like, it's a very different feeling than, you know, the, the environment that I went to school in or different different work situations I've been in. I don't know. I think that is important. This is something even I have struggled with in trying to really be intentional about in this part of my life is also being around people who will let you explore those areas 
and ask questions and and talk through. I know before the show you talked about you know talking to someone else who is had that uh, same similar background as yourself and how edifying that was and how you felt a lot of like affirmation just from being around that person and being able to talk. I think we need to encourage people as much as we love inclusion, but I think you also need to have friendships that allow you to, who are similar to you. Not, I mean, we're, as mixed kids, we're never going to find people who are going to be like exactly our same mixture, but people who have, you know, a similar experience and just having that kind of that, that sounding board of being able to kind of, toss things back and forth and even just getting together. And like you said, like cooking the food of your culture and uh, reading books and going to see movies together and just having that little bit of camaraderie because you might not, like you said, for you, you work in a predominantly white environment. If you don't get those ways of kind of having that, you know, getting to experience both. And like you, like you said, finding where you are at peace and where you kind of feel like, wow, this is actually what I believe on a certain topic. And this is, I do feel a lot more of myself. And if you can find a moment where you're not stressing about how you look and how you talk and how you sound and what your opinion is on life, like that's a good environment. And if you look around and you see what and who's around you, that might be a really good answer as to, you know, what will it take? What makes you feel enough. I don't know, but that does take time. I think it does. And having that freedom. And I think people need to give people that freedom as well. Is that, that's our like non-answer answer? answer? (laughs) I think we're, no, I think we're famous for it. I honestly, yeah, we don't have it. We never said we were going to have answers. That's true. That's true. Yeah. We never, yeah. We're not a question and answer show. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, we, we share experiences and all of our mixed feelings <laughs> and uh, yeah. And just letting people know, you're not, no, you're not alone. I completely, I sympathize and my heart goes out to anyone who just doesn't feel enough. I've talked about it before, even just in appearance and what you're into, like it's a struggle, but you're not alone, but know that you don't have to continuously feel that. There are breaks, there are ways, there are outlets, there are safe havens, there, there are safe spaces. You do, you just have to find them. You really do. And I, I encourage you to find them. And I have a really, yeah. I have the amazing Danny, who I actually, I, I, I so much enjoy like our friendship and what we do here because this is, I think this is helpful for us and just having someone else to kind of share in that experience. And I love that your experience is different from mine from a different culture because it brings so much perspective to me and I encourage other people to do the same. So Damika, what's your happy place this week? As I didn't want to disclose in the beginning, um, my husband and I did our first no child trip ever so it's been you know obviously like over five closer to six years since he and I have gone on it was like three nights which is a big deal like I want every golden star because that was a big deal to me we (laughs) went to I I was a it was a big deal I I didn't realize that she wasn't with you guys I knew you went no it was like our first solo couples trip in six years it was like I was so excited for this trip uh, we went to Wales, which if you have an opportunity to go to Wales, you should take it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know we're talking about white things. I don't know how Wales is hella white, guys, but <laughs> it I mean, does not matter. It is kind of a white person place, huh? It totally is. And I could not care less. It is so stinking beautiful. Like, I just really want to tell people of color who are just like, yeah, I don't do that. I'm like, you should, because your blood pressure needs it. It's so (laughs) beautiful. But while we were there, I mean, the weather is awful because it's just this part of the world. But we've got to see some some of the most intact castles that are around in the world. And we went to Conway Castle. It's just beautiful. So that's my happy place. Like, I went to an actual castle and we're climbing up towers and looking at some of you know the defense blocks it was just something to behold I really should put some photos up 
but every, you don't even have to be a good photographer. That's what I, it's so beautiful that every shot you take is just calendar worthy. It's ridiculous. Um, but that was my happy place. The only thing I will say about that is, is that I think because we went in an off season, I think some college was doing a trip. So I'm going to say like with this, I, um, only people of color I did see were from a university who are actually from America. So it was weird, he, like having the beautiful Welsh accent and then from across the way hearing like young college students with American, obviously American accents. They don't know how to act in a castle, y'all. I'm sorry. They were like shouting from tower to tower. They were running around. I'm like, these are college kids. I'm like, someone get these children. But you said they were American, right? They so, were. I mean- Americans were not used to castles, y'all so I think it can't help but bring out the inner child. I don't even know. Y'all don't even... But the thing is, like, this was not like, oh, a castle. Like, this was a castle. This was a freaking fortress. Like, you know what I mean? It was made with defenses in it. They had, like, a well that was, like, 90 feet deep in the middle of it. I'm like, y'all need to be careful. I'm not even worrying about you all embarrassing me right now. I'm worrying about your safety. This castle's old and crumbly. Y'all need to calm it down. They have like these spiraling staircases carved out of stone that are older. That's older than anything that we can even think of in America. But it was it was just absolutely breathtaking. I was super just humble to be there. It was it was art. It was history. It was ugh, it just epic. It was just the wind. I thought it was going to come and take away my husband, who's very thin. Like it was just when <laughs> when you're up that high, you get concerned. You start realizing how important gravity is. It was um, it was really beautiful. It's lush and green and sheep everywhere. It's everything, every stereotype of Wales, and I was not mad about it. So, sound and bougie went to Wales. It's my happy place. Bougie's kind of code for white, right? <laughs> it's beautiful. I mean, yeah, I'm sure. And uh, my, like, okay, our cabin was by a waterfall. Like, come on. Come on. This place was so it Sounds majestic. really nice, though. <laughs> yeah, it was so beautiful. Like, come on. I don't, I don't even care if it's on the white list. It's so magical. And we took a steam train on Snowden. We took a steam train up Snowden Mountain. And I definitely saw some hobbits on the way. It was just so epic and you know, cavernous and powerful. And I thought I was going to die on top of a mountain because they're like, oh, there's some snow. Like, no, actually it's a blizzard. Take that. It was just, it was, it was so beautiful. But what was your happy place, mysterious woman? Oh, it's not even that mysterious. So (laughs) you may or may not know this, Demika, but this year, Mm. uh, New Mexico has gotten a professional soccer team. Not MLS, but tier two, tier two professional. Still. So USL, they're called the New Mexico United. We're three games Ah. in. I went, uh, so two home games. I've been to both home games. The last one was this past week. And we won. We won our first home game. The other two games we played, we (gasps) tied. so So think so exciting. Yeah, I think we're ranked second in our division right now or something. So it's pretty cool. It's been a lot of fun. I like soccer. I'm not really big on organized sports generally, but I I like soccer. I was going to mention, I was going to be like, wow, (laughs) I did not think you were like a sports person. But that should show like how big of a deal that is. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm a soccer person. Uh, Mm. You know, I like soccer. My husband played soccer in high school. I played soccer on and off through my childhood and a little bit past college. I definitely could not play soccer now. My knees could not <laughs> handle that. It's It's been fun to go. And like the first game was really funny because the section we were in, which were the cheapest tickets, there are definitely people around us like who didn't know the rules of soccer and were like very transparent about not knowing the rules of soccer. But they were just like so excited to be there. <laughs> it was hilarious. Oh, that's awesome. the best. That is so awesome. Oh, where are they, where where do they play at? Oh my gosh, this is the most ridiculous part. So they're playing at Isotope Stadium, which is a baseball stadium. No. Yes. No. <laughs> yeah, so they've like put down like, you know, sod in the infield and it's 
you know, oriented different. It's it's really kind of bizarre. That is so <laughs> not soccer friendly view. <laughs> yeah, the seating is is a little strange uh, because of it. So, <laughs> but uh, okay. <laughs> it's it's hilarious and they're like really trying to push like what are like our traditions what are the things that we do at soccer the announcers like making the crowd scream the players last names <laughs> it's like really weird things uh they have this really obnoxious like we're gonna start when the clock reads 1912 we're gonna start screaming and making noise until it's no. 2019 yeah, it's like these really weird, Aww, weird things. They're trying too hard, uh, but I they're trying. It. But I, I like the natural, like the the things that come up organically. Mm-hmm. The different chants. My favorite chant that has been invented is when somebody on the other team gets injured, or like we get like a yellow card against us because someone else was injured, or they're like making a big deal or flopping. The crowd yeah. will start being like. Pobrecito, pobrecito. It's really great. And for those of you who aren't from New Mexico or don't speak Spanish, it's like poor thing. Yeah, it's They're like, just like oh. chanting poor thing in Spanish. Yeah, it's like we lamb. Like, oh, oh, that is. <laughs> see, I, I agree with you. That is like, there's um, because I mean, I'm, I'm from the land of you know, soccer or you know, football, and um. It's there was a whole thing when we first got here talking about how like the English don't express their emotions unless there's a sport. And so they get mm. all the anger, all the frustration, all of the, you know what I mean? Like touchy feely patriotism. Everything is like it's a free zone because everyone's doing it. So if they need to cry because their team lost, it's like, acceptable. And so I went for being like, yeah, I enjoy it. It's fine. It's like a whole other event. And it's made me appreciate soccer football so much more now mm. I, I really had because it was something like oh yeah cool I enjoy it. it's it's nothing against it but now it's like and my husband really enjoys it here it's just like I, I see the passion I feel the passion and I can just imagine it with like all the love back home oh that is so cool oh I can't wait when I come home for a visit to I hope like I hope I can go to a game oh that's so cool Danny what are the colors I know <laughs> uh, yellow and black are the colors oh girl what are the I've colors? also discovered I don't really have any yellow clothing so I mean I have plenty of black we've established that uh, but I don't have anything yellow because I don't really care for the color yellow um mm. so that's a bummer but I, I definitely got a scarf, though. I now have my New Mexico United scarf. That's amazing. Well, maybe I can get some, like, Hufflepuff stuff and it will, like, double. Exactly. That was actually a post that I made the first game I went to. because <laughs> It was just surrounded by black and yellow flags. And it's like, I'm clearly in the Hufflepuff section. <laughs> we were always It was fitting because my husband's a Hufflepuff. So oh, and we were there my- together. My husband is a Hufflepuff. Hmm. I know. What are you, D'Amica? Are you Gryffindor? I would guess Gryffindor. You know what? Everyone guesses Gryffindor. And at first, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm probably like A-type. I'm Slytherin by several several sites. I'm a Slytherin. It's because I'm brown and ambitious. Mm. (laughs) I I did take it very personally, but now I'm like, no. No, if I was like, if I have a little bit of drive, like black cats and a bit darker skin, it's obviously where I belong, apparently. But yeah, I've embraced it now. I used to be very like, I like Slytherins. Yeah, I like Slytherins. My sister's a Slytherin. My best friend, since he's not here to defend himself, is a Slytherin. He says he's not, but he really is. Just come, just accept (laughs) it. I was, see, like we, did he deny it too? Was he ashamed as well? I don't think he's ever gotten Slytherin on a on a test so I think that's I think he he's gotten other things but I think in his heart he's a Slytherin (laughs) you're like I know you just accept it (laughs) this our happy place obviously is apparently Harry Potter because that's where our happy places are always Harry Potter yeah and that's because that's where it's it's taken a turn for the Potter but Danny, I appreciate you so much. I love what you added to the topic today. And I think it's so poignant. And I, despite what happened in high school, I'm glad that you're a tan Latina goth at the time. <laughs> I always prefer my goth's tan. 
<laughs> to be fair, I am not tan. I am quite pale, but I am not as pale as I was <laughs> that year. That's I don't know when you were when you were in in a Hawaii. I saw some of your photos, girl. That was glorious. Yeah. I did peep some yeah. of those photos. That was a glorious <laughs> tan. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Yeah, that was called not having a car and biking everywhere. So, <laughs> and that explains your knees. It all—it's all full circle. I look how much people know about you now. <laughs> I'm just putting myself out there. Well, we'll be back with another yes. full episode in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Until then, you should Ooh. follow us on social media. Please We're do. at Biracial Unicorns on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, we are new. We are new to Twitter. We're getting more like input and trends, like taking all of our stuff and our episodes over there slowly but surely. And I also hate Twitter, so I'm trying to work through that. But it's there, and we're working through it. Um, our music is by uh, Joseph Scott uh, of Citizens of Tape City. Our art is by the amazing Dolly Pop Art, and you should follow both of them. Uh, amazing. We're um, like humbled to know such great artists. And yeah, it's please, true. Yeah, please leave us lots of comments. <laughs> yeah, engage. Don't be shy. Uh, we definitely want to hear what you think. If you have an idea for an mm-hmm. episode or a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you would like us to not really answer but attempt to, uh, our email address <laughs> is biracialunicorns at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Or like I said, you can message us definitely through Instagram as well. Danny's really good at Instagram. So you're pretty hip to the game. I'm I'm just so youthful. I'm just so young. <laughs> It's because you don't do Facebook. <laughs> it's because I don't do Facebook. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess till next time, huh? Yeah. 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 So, peace out. <laughs>